Hey, good morning. Um, I want to start off by telling you about one of my teachers. My fa- one of my favorite teachers um, uh, that I've ever had was a professor named Don Payne. And he had a, his doctorate, so it was Dr. Payne, which is just a phenomenal name for a teacher. It's a great name to have. What we liked about Dr. Payne was he was wicked smart, but he was very down-to-earth as well. So we found ourselves kind of spending a lot of time outside the classroom with him. Turns out he was an outdoorsman as well, so me and my buddies were just like, this guy's awesome. Another cool thing about this guy that we noticed as we started to get to know him that made us respect him more was he was phenomenal with names. He, it was like he, he had a, his brain was a steel trap for names. He would remember names. He'd remember s- names of spouses and all, you know, like just crazy th- things. And my, my buddy Dave was hanging out after class with Dr. Payne one day. And um, that kind of came up in the conversation. He's like, Dr. Payne, we've noticed you remember names a lot. Like you, you remember people. And my buddy Dave said something to the effect of, you know, I, I'm kind of a dummy with names or I, I have a hard time with names. What's your secret? Are there any tricks, any things that you do to remember names? And Dr. Payne just kind of looked at him and said, you know what? It's really simple. You just remember what's important to you. And my buddy Dave's like, (laughs) and and he's like, I had to take the foot out of my mouth before I could walk away from the conversation. And I remember when Dave told me about that, he's like, yeah, he just said, you remember what's most important to you in life. I was kind of like, because I had in the past, I've, I've said that before. I'm just kind of not good with names. And, 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 I, and it's like, a, but it's true. We remember what is uh, important to us. We remember what is interesting to us. And the, th- the thing about names is I, it's not exactly entirely true that I'm bad with names. Let me give you a, an example if you were to go into my house and look at all of my gear, my gear closet, and all the man, I call it the man cave that has all of my stuff in it, I could point to all of the different name brands of stuff that I own and how much I bought it for and what store, the name of the store that I got it from. And, and I lent this one to, to this guy and he didn't bring it back. And they, you know, I could name names there too. You could open up a fly box for fly fishing of mine and you could just point to any fly. You know, just what's that one? That's a red copper john. Oh, what's that one, Josh? That's a woolly bugger right there. What's that one right there? That is a, a bead-headed tongue stone. I could go on and on, and it, you would be like, so you're telling me that you know every name of every fly in this box? I'd be like, yeah. So maybe I'm not so bad at names as bad as I thought I had in the past because I remember what's interesting to me, right? I remember what's exciting to me. I remember what's important to me. I could, we could have a conversation, a sit-down conversation, and probably very quickly uncover some sort of hobby, some, or, or a band that you love, and the members of the band, and the names of those songs that they play. Uh, Starbucks menu, for some of you, you could just like, yeah, so up on the top is up here. I can't even name any of them because I don't drink coffee, but my wife could just like run you down the list. Maybe the runs at, at, at Keystone. You know, I can name like 15 runs at Keystone. I hardly ever ski anymore. I still remember that, the names of those runs. And we could uncover some sort of activity that you like to do, some sort of sport that you like to play. In fact, let's, let's do this. I know it's church, but let's play a game. Let's, let, let, we're going to talk in church here. I mean, there's just a couple of us here anyway. Let's just, you know, let's, let's talk about this. If I say, let's, let's talk about sports here. Let's talk about football because, you know, it's football. If I say the Kansas City 
Yeah, you, you can fill in that blank. Or the Miami, the Green Bay, and of course the Denver. Uh, we need to try that again. The Denver, the, the winners of the, the, the Super Bowl. Uh, Peyton led them to that victory. We could go on and on about that. Let's, let's, let's play a movie game. Let's do this. Ready for this? Let's, let's, play, let's play a movie game. If I say Star Wars, okay, and then I say Luke yeah, you know that name for sure. And, and, and who, is, who is Luke Skywalker's dad? Darth Vader, of course. Who's his sister? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all sorts of spoilers here. I, I think we're all adults. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, she married, it, it, this might actually be a spoiler because this is later in the, he, she married who? Han Solo. I'm not even going to go in the new movie because I don't know those names yet, but I guarantee in five years I will know those names because we remember what's important to us, what we're, in, what we're interested in, what we're excited about, what we're en- entertained by. Let, let's, let's, try, uh, let's try, oh, what about Chewbacca, C-3PO. What kind of name is C-3PO? How do I remember that? That's insane. Like, I don't remember random letters normally, but I remember that for some reason. How about this movie, Sleepless in... Yeah, and that one's hailing back to the 90s, so I might miss you. But who is the main character? Who are the main characters in that movie? Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks. Anybody fan of Tom Hanks? What other, what other movies are, is Tom Hanks in? Castaway. Yeah, Castaway. Ca- Castaway, you, you remember that one where he's on the island, or he gets marooned on the island, and he has a friend. What's his friend's name? Wilson! It's a ball. If you haven't seen the movie, he, his best friend, like this, the, 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 the supporting role in that movie is a volleyball <laughs> it, it named Wilson. Uh, yeah, I know that. I'm losing some of you. Some of you are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. So let's talk about one that you all know. Pirates of the... Yeah, so good, right? And you've got William Turner. You've got Elizabeth Swan. Oh, I lost you on that one. Okay. Okay, let's try this one. Jack... Yeah, no, it's Captain Jack Sparrow, right? <laughs> exactly, right? Who's played by Johnny Depp, who, if you've lived here long, you know that like five, ten years ago, there was this rumor that Johnny Depp was looking to buy a house in Evergreen, and he was kind of hanging around, and he was at this hotel, and he was up Upper Bear and looking at land that was used to be owned by Willie Nelson. Did you know that? And, and Willie Nelson used to play. I, I saw Willie Nelson. You see what I'm doing here with all these names that I'm dropping here? Uh, Willie Nelson used to uh, go on tour with Merle Haggard. I saw them like five years ago, who just passed away, RIP, Merle Haggard, great, great artist. I, I could go on. See, we know a lot of names. Johnny Depp. Na- uh, what other characters does Johnny Depp play? Willy Wonka. Uh, there's a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edward Scissorhands, right? Mad Hatter is another one. Gilbert Grape. Was he in Gilbert Grape? Okay, so, so just, all right, let, let, let's, let, let's stop there because I want to make a point. So we're not all that great with names, right? But yet, we can name up 28 names for one dude that we've never met before. <laughs> Is it possible that we're better with names than we give ourselves credit? That, that our minds remember names better than we would normally say so? Is it possible? And here's, here's another thing that I was thinking about in prep for this. I was like, is it possible that names are really important? Like, why, why does it matter when you can't remember somebody's name? 
You know what I mean? Like you, you, you just, you walk into the room and you draw a blank and it's so, you just squirm. You're like, oh, I should know your name. Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, chief. And see, dudes have it better than girls for this because we have all sorts of, hey, bro, what's up, dude? I don't know what you girls say. Hey, baby, you know, hey, <laughs> girl. For you guys never say that kind of stuff. I don't know women. But why is it so uncomfortable? Like when we should know someone's name and we don't. Is it because there's something in a name? Names are important. We know that the, it's important for us to know people's names. We titled this sermon, What's in a Name? And, and we're in this series called Love Where You Live. And it's a, a series about where we focus on the unique opportunity we have not just to simply believe in God, not just to simply go to church, not just to enjoy, it's a play on words, we love where we live in the mountains here. Not in, we, we love, uh, in, in this, what this series is about is taking the opportunity not just to enjoy the mountains and enjoy living in Evergreen, but to actually partner with what God is doing in Evergreen by loving where we live. We talked about it the first week. We said we have, there's, there's four areas that, that we can use to, to love where we live. We can love where we live in our, vo- our location, in our vocation, with our vacation, and our donation. In other words, our location. That, that if you look at where you are placed, where your house is, where you bought, where you're renting, where you look, you look there's people around you that, that, that you have a unique opportunity where you live, where you work, where you spend copious amounts of time, more time than you probably would like to, uh, with people that you don't necessarily choose to be with, they're just your coworkers, but there's an opportunity there to love where you live. Your vacation, that is what, it, and I'm not talking about you know, your two week, two weeks, four weeks, whatever you have a year, I'm talking about what you do in your spare time, what you enjoy, what do you love? What, what can you name? What activity can you just name names from? And, and the connections that you can have with people, that's an opportunity that you have with, your, with what you enjoy. And then, of course, your donation. And that's just simply what you have to give. And that has to do with money, has to do with resources, has to do with time. And we're talking about love, uh, this unique opportunity to, 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 to use our location, vocation, vacation, and donation to love where we live, to join God where he's already at work here in Evergreen, in, in where you live. Today is primarily about the location, vocation side of things. Wh- who are the people around us? Do you know their, who they are? Uh, and are they important enough to remember their names? Um, and this, so we aptly called this, this sermon, What's in a Name? Now, there's an interaction between Jesus and a guy that, that illustrates the power in a name, and I, I want us to look at it today. And it, I, Probably many of you will be familiar with this story. It's a pretty common story in the Gospels. This is found in the book of Luke. And, and Luke was a guy who uh, didn't get a chance to hang around Jesus like some of the disciples did who wrote. Uh, so there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are the books about Jesus' life. It's all about Jesus. Luke was one of the guys who wrote that. And he was not privy to the same experiences that some of the other guys had. So what he did is he went and he was a doctor. He was a physician. 
and, and he, he went around and he interviewed eyewitnesses. He's like, you, you, you got time with Jesus? What was it like here? Were you here when he fed all these people with, yeah, I was totally there when he, like literally it was just 12 baskets of food and he made all this. And so Luke, Luke, and what's cool about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, is each of them is written from a different angle because they're different people. They bring out different things about Jesus. In Luke's case, he's a physician. He's a doctor. So he's fascinated by this guy, Jesus, who's walking around healing people. And another thing that's cool, if you read the Luke's gospel, what you'll see start to stand out over time is you'll start to see that there's certain people that, that really that, that, that are interesting to him. A lot of the down and out. Obviously, the people who need healing who are sick. The physician wants to know about their background and their condition before they met Jesus, that kind of thing. So he has details. He's very, very um, con- concerned about, you know, he's very interested in, in Jesus with women because Jesus, he elevated women in, this, in the society that he was in and he was, he was interested in that. He was interested in the outcasts and how Jesus interacted with the outcasts. So that's where our story is today. We find Jesus inter- intersecting, his, his life intersecting with an outcast. It goes like this. Luke writes it this way. He says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, meaning, meaning that he wasn't planning to stay there. He was going somewhere. He had plans to go, yeah, I'm just, yeah, like we just drove through Nebraska. We were definitely just passing through. We were on our way to something else. Jesus was passing through Jericho, and, and then it, it goes to say this, and a man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. So we couple. Luke includes a couple details about the man. Now, Jericho, this town of Jericho, had become kind of a wealthy epicenter be- around this trade. Uh, th- evidently, there was some balsam gardens and some palm groves that brought a lot of produce, um, and expensive produce. And so there was a lot of money being made there. And the Roman Empire was like, well, we're going to get some of that money. So what they did was they hired tax collectors. And they put, it said, you, you're going to extract this amount of this percentage or whatever. And they said, these are your guidelines. Go and do it. And we're not going to pay you, by the way. You just extract more taxes for, the, you know, uh, for these goods and, and take whatever you want. We don't care as long as we get our money. Tax collectors have never been liked all that much. They were really not liked back then. Because re- usually what the Romans would do is they'd, they'd hire guys from the inside. They'd hire people familiar with the culture, people from that culture. So in this case, Zacchaeus is a Jewish man. And so not only do, do people not like tax collectors, they really did not like Zacchaeus because not only was he a kind of a thief, you know, like you're stealing money, you're wealthy, thank you very much, that's my money, you're also a traitor. You see the layers? I think the only modern equivalent that we can really understand, there's a lot of cultural significance to being a tax collector that we don't understand, but this might help Imagine a dude selling drugs to a middle school student, and you're probably on the right kind of track for what, they, what, what, what Jesus' people, the people around Jesus in their day, looked towards a tax collector. And not only that, not only is he a tax collector, he's wealthy, and not only that, he's a chief tax collector, so he's a tax collector over other tax collectors. He's managing others. So he's not just a drug dealer, he's a drug lord. You get... I want us to feel the angst. I want us to, 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 to picture this guy because what happens next is truly remarkable. Check this out. He, he, says, he says this. Luke says this. 
And he, meaning Zacchaeus, wanted to see who Jesus was. He, the drug lord, wanted to see who Jesus, a rabbi, a religious leader, was. And you've heard me say it before, and I'll say it so many other times, but it's because it's so true. The reason why Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, we don't know the exact reasons, but it's basically this. People who are nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. There's just something about Jesus, the way he lived, the way he walked around, the way he treated people, that people who were nothing like him liked him and were drawn to him, wanted to be around him. Zacchaeus wanted to, it was worthwhile for him to see this man, to, to be around, you know, maybe from a distance, but I want to learn more about that guy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. It's, it's a simple solution. It's a great vantage point without becoming the focal point. He's going to be able to see what happens and, and, and see how Jesus interacts. There's a crowd. We just learned that there's a crowd around him. And he's just in this tree. Smart guy. However, Jesus had his own plans. When Jesus reached the spot, this is verse 5, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. At which point, pause. At which point, I guarantee he was like, oh crap. You know what I mean? Like, my mom, when I was in trouble growing up, if I heard Joshua Levi Donoff, bad things were about to come. Storms were a-brewing. I did something wrong, and I was about to get in trouble. I think when Zacchaeus initially heard his name, he was like, oh, no. Zacchaeus, come down here immediately. Get down here, young man, so help me. <laughs> Zacchaeus, come down immediately. And the, but then he says these words. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, I have to say, I got stuck. I got so stuck on these. There's 11 words there that Jesus says. I got so stuck on those this week in preparation for this. Because I think it's, it's, this is a classic Jesus moment. He does something so powerful with so few words. I'll explain what he did here in a second. But, but Jesus did this all the time. He'd get in these scenarios. People would try to trap him and trick him. And they'd say, what about taxes, Jesus? And Jesus would just lay something like this down. He said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. Oh, that's good. Another time, they brought the, the adulterous woman before him and said, what do we do with this? Moses says to stone him. Stone her because she's caught in adultery. What does Jesus say? I don't even know how many words. Less than 11 probably. Let him who, was, who is without sin cast the first stone. Whew. My favorite parable from Jesus is also his shortest parable. It goes like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Mic drop. I'll be here all week. I mean, he just, he messed people up all the time with just a few words. And this is no exception right here with these 11 words. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And here's, after hours of just, like, just being immersed in this passage, I feel like this is what Jesus was doing. It's so powerful. Without saying these words, he said these words. 
He said, Zacchaeus, you are worth knowing and you are worthwhile. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus. He calls him by name. There's power in a name. And in this point particular, he had to use his name because if he said, hey, I'm coming to your house today, he's like, you got the wrong dude, man. You don't want to come to my house. It'll ruin your reputation. And, and, and Jesus doesn't even give him that chance. He says, Zacchaeus, yeah, you. I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus, I know who you are. And you're worth knowing. You're, I, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. You're worthwhile. This word to stay, I must stay at your house today. The word stay and this is, this is for, for those of you who, who know a little bit of, of, about the Bible, this is the same verb in Greek as, as in John 15. I, I'm sorry, this is kind of a sidetrack, but it's just so cool to me. I'm geeking out about it. I have to talk about it. He, he, this is the same verb that in John 15 where Jesus is instructing his disciples and he's about to leave and they're really sad. And he's like, listen, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, I'm going to go die. There's everything okay. All you need to do, if you remain in me, I will remain in you and, and together we'll do great things. And then Jesus is praying for his disciples and, and he's saying, Father, I pray that they would remain in me as, a, as I've, I am remaining in you. This word remain is the same word as to stay. It's meno. It's, it's, to, it's to, to abide. The older versions of the Bible say abide. The modern way of saying it is hanging out. I must abide with you today. I must hang out with you today, Zacchaeus. It's an imperative. It's going to happen. And guess what, Zacchaeus? I don't have a house, so I guess we're going to your place. What's for dinner? Because I'm coming over. You are worth knowing, Zacchaeus. You are worthwhile. What happens next is what we would expect to happen. I lost it. Oh, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus was honored that this guy that he's kind of interested in, that this the focal point of everybody that day wants to come to his house. He, 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 he welcomes him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. Another word might be murmur. You know, he's going there. Why is he going there? He's going, he has gone to the guest, to be the guest of a sinner. He's going to go associate. What if that gets on him a little bit? It bothered them. What happens next is really frustrating. Luke decides just to fast forward a few hours. Check this out. Because all of a sudden, they go to the house. The next verse is, but Zacchaeus stood up. Meaning this is hours later, probably from a table. He stood up and he said, Lord, look, Lord, uh, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Okay, so, so, so it, movies do this all the time. They're like, you know, the, the, the two of them walk off the house and it just fades out. And then the next scene is at this dinner table and, and Zacchaeus stands up. He's like, that's it. If I have frauded or cheated anyone, and everybody's like, dude, if? Come on. Let's be honest. Okay, so since I've frauded and cheated anyone, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor, and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give four times back of anybody I've frauded. And, and the numbers are not important. That's not the focus like, oh, why four? You know, why half? And it's, no, no, it's the heart is what's important. And see, this is what's so frustrating to me. 
what the heck just happened in those last hours? What did Jesus say? What did he do? Did he teach? Did he preach? Did he do parables? Did he yell? Did he, did he just go through the law and just say, right, here's that case. Oh, yep, that's you right there and you right there. My guess is not. Because based on what Jesus has already said that day, you know what I mean? If he wanted to yell at Zacchaeus, he already would have. Zacchaeus, get down here immediately, son. You and I need to have a come to Jesus moment. And Jesus is here to come and bring it to you right now. Zacchaeus, come on down. We've got to fix your problems, buddy. Zacchaeus, come on down because you, you need to make restitution for all of that you've stolen. Okay. He, he didn't say that, did he? And yet, hour, just a few hours later, a handful of hours later, that's what Zacchaeus is willing to do. But it all started with this. Zacchaeus, come down, for I must be with you today. It started there. My guess is he didn't yell at him during those hours. I don't know what he did, and I think this is my personal opinion. Is it possible that the reason Luke didn't include anything that happened over dinner, including the food, I want to know what, like, what they're eating and stuff like that. It would be good. He didn't do any of that. I think the reason Luke didn't record what Jesus said or did at the dinner table is because what, the most important thing that Jesus said, he had already said. When he said, Zacchaeus, you're worth knowing. Zacchaeus, you're worthwhile. His life began to change while he was climbing down a tree. That's my theory. And see, this is really good news. Because you and I can do that. There is nothing that Jesus did this day that you and I can't do. He knew a name. He called, him, he called it out, and, he's, and he called out the name, and he invited himself over for dinner. He, you, know, you realize that Jesus was the original party crasher. Chrissy and I have two markers for when we know we're good friends with someone. The first is if we can come over to their house. Some of you guys are nodding your head because you're good friends. We can come over to their house with a half gallon of ice cream unannounced. That's a good friend, right? Another marker for us is if we don't have to clean the house before they come over. That's a mark of a true friend. Jesus put himself in that category in those first 11 words. I'm coming to your house. I don't care. You don't really have anything to say. These are things we can do. I don't know if you read the Bible and be like, I can't be this. I can't do that. I can't be Jesus. Yes, you can. You might not be able to raise the dead. You might not be able to, to heal the sick. You might not be able to teach the most amazing, you know, mic drop it after two sentences. But you can learn names. And you can go to people's houses. You can invite people over to your house. And through that, you're telling people you're worth knowing and you're worthwhile. And we can do that. Let's finish up what he, he does. Let's wrap this up. Verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Today, in a sense, like, hey, disciples, you're watching something unfold as we speak. This is beautiful. This is awesome. Today salvation has come to this household. 
because this man too is a son of Abraham. And again, these are things, that's the phrase that it's like son of Abraham. You know, it's like father Abraham. It's many sons. That's what I think of a son of Abraham for a Jewish person. That's, he hasn't felt like a son of Abraham for years probably. This man too, even this man, salvation has come to even this house, even the tax collector, even the drug lord today is coming, is being saved. And then this next line, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And everybody agrees that that last sentence is the key theme verse of the whole entire book of Luke. Not just this chapter, the whole book. That if you had to boil it down into one line, Jesus is the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I love that he says that there because he had just done that. I love the word seek as well. Because, okay, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We can't save the lost. We talked about this a little bit last time when we're talking about addressing the mess, walking towards the messes around us. It's not our job to fix the mess. Nobody wants that. No one's asking us to fix them. It's not our job to fix people. That's God's job. He's the one that saves. The first part, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's where we can follow Jesus. And there's people that surround you in your life, in your location, at your vocation, that might not ever think, and, and maybe you've never thought about this way, but they would not approach you for whatever, for some reason. They just don't, they don't feel like you, you would give them the time of day. But if you approach them, oh my gosh, if you sought them out, Jesus didn't, didn't wait for Zacchaeus to come out of the tree and tap him on the shoulder. He went to him. And that we can do that. We can seek. We can, uh, and, and here's the thing. This is love where you live. This is exactly what love where you live is just a commitment. I'm going to seek out those who are lonely. I'm going to look for lonely people and I'm going to go to them. And here's the, the God honest truth. You're surrounded by them. In Evergreen, Colorado, you're surrounded by them. There are people dying all over the place, all around us. There are people who, who don't hear their name that much. There are people who, who are lonely. And, and there's a lot of stuff around them. There's a lot of things going on and life's good. But at, deep, at night, it's hard to fall asleep at night. Or the things they think about, they're lonely. They're all around us. The need is so great. And the good news is you can do something about it. You can communicate value to them. I, 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 to seek and save, that was with lost. I came to find something that's so valuable to me. You can do that. That's what love where you live is all about. I've got a, a, a proud dad moment that I want to share with you. And I, I, I debated, it's perfect for this, but I debated even telling you about it because it's a total like, oh, the pastor does this with his kids and it's so cool. You know, like, it's just like a pastor's move and I didn't like that. So we, back up, we, Christy came across this phrase like four or five months ago that Christians look for lonely people, that that's what we do. If we're following Christ, that eventually we're, we're going to not just read our Bible, not just go to church, not just do these things, but we're, you know, if we're thinking about, okay, I want to be like Jesus Christ, you're going to end up looking for lonely people. And we love the phrase so much, we found ourselves talking about it so much, we started, we just stole it as our own, like a, this motto that we say, Donifs look for lonely people. 
And Christy started doing this at school. Before she dropped Jovi off at school, our seven-year-old, she'd say, remember, Jovi, Donuts look for lonely people. And again, this is why it was a little bit, I didn't want to share this because it's like, oh, you guys are so cute. You know, you like read Bible verses over your kids as they, you know, like it, it, we don't. And honestly, my shout out to the kids as she's leaving the door is like, go read some books. <laughs> I say that one a lot, actually. Okay, go read some books. It's cool. The other one I say is, go be a first grade warrior. I say it so much. Titus one day, my four-year-old's sitting in the seat next to her, right as she's shutting the door. Hey, Jovi, go be a first grade warrior. I was like, yes. Dad points. But Christy uses that moment. She said, Donuts look for lonely people. On vacation two weeks ago, I got this text. I wasn't even there yet. They're at the 4th of July fireworks. And Christy sent me this photo. Oh, it's going to tear me up. <sighs> You'll have to excuse me because this is, it's really fresh. <clears throat> this, this looking for lonely people is really fresh for us. Christy, I mean, there's hundreds of people around right before some fireworks. And Christy, um, Christy saw this kid, and she's like, I wonder if I should say something. And before she could even say something, she, caught, she saw Jovi walking over without us even talking with her. I love this photo because you can tell Jovi's nervous, right? And so will you be. It takes a lot of gumption to do this. It's worth it. Now, again, I don't want this to be a crazy story. Nothing huge happened from this. He lost his swing. A kid took his swing, and that's all that happened. You know, like, it's just, it's not life-changing. But it's such a great picture. You can do this. We can do this. We can look for lonely people. You want to be like Jesus, do this. Don't worry about the rest of the stuff. The rest of the stuff, don't, just don't worry about it. Just do this. You'll be more like Jesus than you'll know. What if we did this? What if we did this for a month? What if we looked for lonely people around us? Not everyone, because it can't. We just can't. We don't have the time. We don't have, and I'm not saying give up everything. I'm not saying, re, you know, stop remembering football stats and, and memorize names. I'm just saying, is it possible there's a few people around you that need this? You can do it. What if we did this? What would it look like? What if, what if we sought out the Zacchaeuses at our location, vocation, with our vo vacation and donation? People need us to. The need is so great. People need to know that they're worthwhile, that they're worth knowing. We're going to end today. The rest of today is actually going to be very different. Um instead of the band coming up and playing music, we're going to play some music, two worship songs. And after I say a prayer here in a second, we're going to hand out some sheets that say, love where you live on top. And there's four lines. In the next two songs, you can, you can stand and sing those songs, you can sit and pray, but I, even if you're not a religious person, even if you're not quite sure if you follow Jesus, I just think this will make life better and make you better at life. 
I, I just do. It's a, a, bear with us, you know, uh, 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 fancy us for just a minute and, and put some names down. And then we're just going to pin those names up on a board. On this board, there's some, some tacky stuff that you can kind of stick them on that board with. There's just something about writing a name down and praying for someone. And I encourage you to, to, to pray for that person the next week. And I guarantee if you start praying for them, you'll start looking at them differently. And I, I wonder if you'll start looking at them the way that God looks at them. You have a unique opportunity to love where you live by looking for lonely people. Let's pray. Lord, um, I thank you for, I thank you for those 11 words that I just got to stumble over and chew on this week. And what you did in, in, in a man's heart just with just some simple words. I pray that you would help us, give us your eyes to see the people around us. Lord, and I need to say this, Lord, if, if there's anybody here who is that lonely person, I pray that they would not leave here today without realizing that if Jesus was walking, walking in their area, he would not walk past them. He would go to them because they're worthwhile and they're worth knowing. The words for Zacchaeus are their words today. If we're lonely, if that's our heart today, I pray that you would reach out in this next couple songs. Yeah, we're thinking about other people, but would you, some of us need our own hearts healed. We need to know who we are and that we're important. Would you guide our, our, our pens as we write down these names? Would you guide us in the dust, just in the next couple days, Father, for opportunities to reach out to them? We love you, Lord. Thank you for, for, for your word. Thank you for, for not just telling us, us what to do, but actually coming here and doing it. Amen.